And welcome to another edition of the Morning Briefing. Jeff DeForest, my friend Henry, filling in once again for uh, Mike Luby Lubitz, my normal partner on the program. And uh, you talk about being a kiss of death, uh, Henry. And uh, I don't mean to uh, be facetious about this uh, since it actually literally ended up being a devastating tragedy. But uh, where do you think Mike Luby Lubitz was traveling on vacation? Where uh, he left uh, in the middle of last week, uh, of course, Morocco. And uh, within hours of his arrival there, they had this devastating earthquake in Marrakesh, which would normally be like uh, part of your travel itinerary destinations. I believe he will be visiting uh, Marrakesh later on in the trip uh, sometime later on this week. But uh, our sympathies uh, and empathies certainly go out to anybody that was impacted by that. But uh, rumors uh, immediately circulated uh, about Luby's fate, and it turns out he's okay. He was in another part of the country. So he was uh, shaken, but not stirred. But you talk about a bad omen, right? I mean, you don't want to travel with this kid. And uh, he had done everything in his power over the years to sabotage any shows that I was ever on uh, while he <laughs> was on vacation. He made sure that whoever was coming in uh, was going to punch a button that was going to lead to a catastrophic result. And uh, so, uh, Henry, you're, you're doing a very admirable job in his absence. And uh, we wanted to let everybody know out there uh, that uh, he is okay. Uh, of course, uh, this is 9 11. And uh, we would be remiss if we didn't also, uh, you know, pay tribute to the people uh, that uh, over the years, uh, and we all have been impacted in some way by the uh, 9-11 terrorist attack. Uh, I was actually on the air at the time that it happened, uh, doing a morning show, and it was about 8.46 Eastern time when the first plane hit the World Trade Center. So, uh, you know, we're watching monitors uh, in the studio and I uh, didn't really see that, except uh, I remember a general sales manager from one of the other stations in the cluster comes running into the control room and, and starts yelling, hey, can you believe this? A plane has just uh, crashed into the World Trade Center. And, you know, I was on the air with two other guys, and, and we were thinking some guy in a little pipe or cub or something that was taking flying lessons. You know, uh, how how wild is that? I mean, it seems uh, preposterous, but uh, I guess it's in the realm of possibilities. And then about 15 minutes later, we hadn't seen the devastation yet. Uh, the word came out that a second plane had crashed into the World Trade Center. And uh, you were thinking, uh-oh, this can only be a terrorist attack. In fact, one of the guys on the show who I didn't think was that politically or, uh, you know, uh, historically savvy uh, immediately uh, said, uh, got to be Ben Laden. And that uh, we were on the air. And I'll never forget that. Uh, you know, you had to transition, and it happens from time to time. Where as sportscasters, uh, Henry, you're sitting there and all of a sudden you have to transition like those guys in the World Series when they had the earthquake in San Francisco, you appropriately wearing the hat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're like uh, with the bombing there at the uh, Atlanta Olympics uh, in the summer games. Uh, all of a sudden you have to transition into being a, a news reporter and are uh, talking about something that is kind of outside of your strike zone or your comfort zone. But uh, we could all empathize with everything that uh, transpired then. And, uh, of course, our sympathies go out, and uh, we want uh, everybody to take you know, some time to reflect and uh, commemorate the memories of the people who perished in the 9-11 attacks. That being said, and, uh, I mean, look, sports is fantasy land, but uh, how is Brian Dayball, the New York Giants coach, not floating in the Hudson River somewhere today? I was thinking they were going to have to dispatch and dispense uh, Sully Sullinger to find this guy's uh, carcass. And uh, right. they were once again carrying uh, the Giants fans out of uh, MetLife Stadium in body bags uh, after uh, 40 to nothing bludgeoning at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, that's going to trigger uh, a couple of things. Uh, number one, how insufferable is Jerry Jones going to be 
in uh, the upcoming week, leading up to a week number two. I, I told you we were Super Bowl material. I told you I did it. I did it. It was all me. So uh, he, he's uh, got to be out of his mind uh, with euphoria over the fact that Dallas was able to perform like that last night. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, I mean, just a continued disaster for all of New York sports uh, that have taken place. I, I guess uh, the Rangers and the Knicks had a modicum of success as uh, compared to previous years. Rangers haven't been that bad of late, but uh, the Knicks uh, certainly had been floundering for a long period of time. They got Jalen Brunson. They come in there and make some changes, made it through a playoff round, beat the Cavaliers. Everybody's like, "Wow, yeah, yeah, we're back, man. The Holy Willis Reed. Uh, they, they got snuffed out by the Miami Heat. Uh, but you would have to say it was sort of a promising year for, uh, you know, the winter sports in New York. And then came the summertime. <laughs> uh, tremendous expectations, as always, for the New York Yankees. That, that's been a disaster. Uh, even this uh, kid, Jason uh, Dominguez, who just came up, but was lighting a real spark uh, with the fans, thinking, okay, we, we still have promising young guys. Maybe we can get rid of some of these aging, overpaid stiffs that we uh, think every year are going to lead us uh, into a championship round, and it, it hasn't happened. Uh, but even that kid gets hurt now and uh, is going to need Tommy John. He's an outfielder, but... Uh, the ulnar collateral uh, nerve uh, shot with this guy. And, you know, he, he was one of the reasons that you could at least peel yourself off the mat and start thinking that this is going to be an interesting upcoming year for uh, Yankee baseball. And the Mets were doomed right uh, from the start when Edwin Diaz uh, went down, uh, jumping up and down after the World Baseball Classic in a celebration. Now, that that really stings, doesn't it? When, when you lose a guy for the season who's celebrating something that has nothing to do, uh, I mean, it's like losing a guy in some kind of, you know, a jet ski mishap or something uh, during the off season, But that was a, a sign, an omen maybe, that uh, the rest was going to be a disaster, which it turned out to be. And, and then you have this with, with the New York Giants last night. I'm not sure the expectations were overwhelmingly great for the Giants. Uh, I think, uh, Henry, you know that you're a big football fan. Uh, people thought, well, maybe they'll have a little bit of a, uh, a drop-off from what they did last year, but they're certainly on the right path. And, and then I saw Chris Collinsworth, on the pregame show, and he's foaming at the mouth. I mean, literally, foam is coming out of his mouth as uh, he's saying, ah, you can't believe how much speed they've added to this team. And they come out there, and they look like one of the early Mike Tyson opponents, didn't they, where you know, the guy has blubber hanging over the trunks and uh, immediately gets, like, socked in the stomach there, doubles over in pain, and the ref has to just step in and stop it right away. Uh, 40 to nothing, uh, a disaster. So that leads us to tonight which is uh, a very uh, interesting proposition, is it not? The Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. And the Jets, the talk of the town. Who has been a, more of a toast of the town in New York than Aaron Rodgers in, in the last several months? Since April, this love affair has been going on. So uh, what do you think, Henry? Is New York, uh, unfortunately, operating under a curse now that, that is so wrought with disaster that uh, Aaron Rodgers flames out in this ball game. Uh, it could be Ben Gazzara time for him. He might be running for his life behind <laughs> the suspect Jets offensive line. We thought that about the Miami Dolphins offensive line going into this game against the Chargers, did we not? That they had uh, no chance. They were missing their best uh, guy at left tackle, Armstead, and they've had a patchwork, makeshift offensive line at best over the last two decades. Going into this game, it looked like uh, it was a certainty that Tua was going to crumble, probably take some uh, unfortunate hit to the head and start speaking in Hebrew again. But instead, whoosh, 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 he dissected this uh, 
Los Angeles Charger defense as if uh, – what were they employing? Was that the Red Sea defense? Uh, were you aware? What was the talk around L.A., Henry? <laughs> Have you ever seen the middle of the field more suspect and vulnerable than it was? And this is the Dolphins' main strength. Anybody that watches any tape of the Dolphins last year, any film of uh, what they do, they have Tyreek Hill running in the middle of the field and a couple of other guys with some real speed. And uh, that's it. If you make if you make them throw to the outside or have to uh, rely heavily on the running game, whoosh, they're toast. But um, I don't know. Was Brandon Staley on the take in that game? I, I don't know. You know, the, the, the Chargers, I don't know why we keep getting so gassed up about the Chargers every offseason. Like, it's like, no, this is the year. Herbert MVP or Chargers Super Bowl, things are turning around. They're the same exciting mid team. Like they are yeah. the most exciting, mediocre team in football. Their defense has always been, as you said, a wet towel, a Red Sea, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, um, um, absent father. Like it's it's not there. Um, no, I, I think the fact that the Dolphins carved them up like they did is like the perfect thing for for television like we were gifted this amazing late afternoon game so that the evening massacre could exist and we would still feel satisfied with week one nfl that's no doubt i mean uh we we had a game like this many years ago here with uh, the great dan marino going against ken o'brien it looked like that shootout game that they had which i think ended up like 51 45 and, you know, it, it was the old cliche that whichever team has the ball last is probably going to win the game, although not the case uh, yesterday in that particular ball game. So, uh, again, it, it leads us to tonight. What happens tonight? Buffalo Bills. People have lost faith in the Buffalo Bills. There was all this uh, contretemps uh, over the offseason about whether Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen get along. Is Allen just uh, so error-prone that he really hasn't been able to, uh, you know, kind of cultivate that out of his system. And it's always going to make some inexplicable bozoic throw at the end of a game or do something crazy uh, that costs the Buffalo Bills a ball game. Uh, has their defense been compromised a little bit by defections in the offseason? All logical stuff going into this. Uh, the New York Jets, Aaron Rodgers, what, what hasn't he been on? I mean, uh, he's at the Met Gala. He's in fashion shows. He's at the U.S. Open. Uh, you know, he, he's actually hitting like warming up with Djokovic before uh, the final. <laughs> this guy has been on a platform in New York that has been unbelievable and, and naturally a, a pedestal there. And uh, yet, I mean, are, are they just primed for, for more deflation? Tonight, that that's the question I think you have to answer if you're uh, taking a look at the point spread. Which last I checked, Buffalo is a road favorite, giving two points to the New York Jets. So, w- what is your inclination? I, I'm I'm stumbling and, and and fumbling and bumbling to try to figure out which way to go in this game. And yet, can you pass the opening Monday night of the season without being in some kind of action? Uh, of course not. No, we have to. <laughs> It put, put, I'm glad to I, see such a sick young degenerate, uh, Henry. Are you kidding <laughs> so it's me? very like, favorable for where we're trying to go with the show. <laughs> oh, no, it's absolutely going to require action tonight. I actually think this game in particular, there's no downside to losing whatsoever. I mean, yeah, you start the season 0-1, but both of these teams have Super Bowl hopes. You know, I, I guess there's probably more pressure on the Jets. This is the most highly anticipated NFL team of all time. It's literally yeah. Super Bowl or bust. And 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 from where the Jets have been to get here, 
like overnight it's super bowl or bust that is fucking like incomprehensible yeah well and, and i'm inclined to think that uh buffalo is being uh undersold in, in this game and that uh, laying uh, two points is not overwhelming considering uh that they were a much better team than the jets last year now, now the jets improvement is uh, pretty apparent where you're looking at quarterback specifically you had a horrendous play last year uh, by uh, don't call me Hack Wilson, Zach Wilson, uh, <laughs> clown-like play, and 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 you can't win. Uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't take a genius. You don't need all the analytics to figure you can't win when your quarterback is not only uh, not even Trent Dilfer, but is detrimental uh, to your team's uh, chances of winning a ball game. And that was certainly the case last year. Uh, you, you fixed that in a hurry uh, with Aaron Rodgers, but uh, will Aaron Rodgers be breaking something on the sideline by the middle of the third quarter? Is the question. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and take a, a shot there with the Buffalo Bills saying that they are being uh, underrated this year because uh, people looked at their sort of semi-collapse last year when they had a big opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, they got sucked in by some of this talk about uh, dissension inside the ball club and that the Jets have been overblown, that, that they have an inflated opinion of themselves as usual. And you have to keep in mind their last big game was in 1969. So <laughs> I think Crosby, Stills, and Nash were, were, were just debuting. A couple of other things on, on the NFL. Uh, so I, I, I'm leaning towards Buffalo. You're saying what? Jets, Henry, tonight? Uh, can we yeah, – this way we, make, we can uh, absolve ourselves show. of having a loser on the show. Yeah, let's make for a good show. I'll take the Jets. I'll passionately uh, throw money, throw the house on the Jets tonight just for you. All right. Uh, a dinner at Spago uh, next time I'm in L.A. Uh, riding on the game, okay? which I, I don't plan on being there anytime soon, but uh, <laughs> this way, this, this is one of those bets that, uh, you know, you're, you're hoping your bookie dies before you have to uh, right, pay right. it off. All right. Uh, rookie quarterbacks. Uh, isn't it kind of like watching an edition of naked and afraid when they first turn the people loose, when you have uh, highly drafted rookie quarterbacks starting as uh, the three of the top four picks uh, in this last year's draft, uh, where we're all in starting positions for their uh, chosen or the teams that chose them. Uh, you had Bryce Young. Uh, he didn't do too much. Uh, you know, uh, that, that was a tough call there. Didn't expect him to win. Um, uh, C.J. Stroud uh, statistically wasn't bad, but uh, his team's in an impossible situation. I mean, what do, you, what do so, you expect out of him, you know, that he came into an absolute mess of a franchise and they're playing yeah. Lamar Jackson, who's trying to win a Super Bowl. So, you know. Was that the gimme in the uh, suicide slash survivor yeah, pools? I, that was my. Ravens point. over Houston. Yes, I, I'm actually so glad you brought that up because I also, as Dr. PPR, I put my life on the line telling everyone to bet on Washington over Arizona. And they and did that win, dicey. Yeah. but that was dicey. That was, yes. wow, too close. So, whew. Here's a great thing about betting, though, and it happened in the New Orleans Saints game where the Saints were life and death to win their ball game, and there was a point there and we, we were, you know, involved in a sport here that was very popular in uh, South Florida for a while. Uh, big, big in the 60s, 70s, uh, 80s, even uh, highlight was big here. And one of the great things about highlight, especially now that people are more familiar with, you know, the whole thing about being degenerate gamblers <laughs> is that uh, there was a point in the game where the team that you were rooting for in the first round, you needed to lose in the next round. <laughs> as uh, they were playing in the same game. So uh, you might be rooting for the five, uh, you know, the people that were in the five team position uh, and, you know, you're screaming, come on, Escobar, come on, Escobar, you know, throw it, uh, Dejana. 
And uh, then when they came back on the court again, you had to root against them. So, uh, you know, and, and that, that happens, uh, you know, quite a bit when, when you're gambling on football. And it happened in that uh, New Orleans Saints game. As uh, you had to root for your team not to make a first down so they would kick a field goal and cover the point spread late in the yeah, pocket. Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy, like, concept to wrap my head around because the Titans were just so god-awful to watch at all. I'll take anything I can get from them at that we, point. We suffered Fuck. through Ryan Tannehill's development as a quarterback. Uh, Think about that, my friend. Until right, he got Derrick Henry, right. this guy uh, was a complete bust. He was on our own Dolly Parton team. Oh, but yeah, I mean, God. didn't you find yourself here? You, you had a route for New Orleans not to make that first down if uh, you, you were, you know, if if you were betting on uh, New Orleans yeah. in that game. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, I tell you, gambling makes you interested in the most. You become a psycho. Instances. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. You will turn on your own mother <laughs> when you're gambling. Turn on your own mother. And, and that's unfortunate, right? Sorry, Ma. <laughs> right exactly let's end it anyway so uh yeah we're we're, we're kind of lost tonight we're, we're torn i'm gonna go with buffalo just because everybody loves the jets yeah. in this game i'm gonna I'll go contrarian on this uh and i i would have to think that buffalo is at least in there traveling to MetLife tonight in there with a shot so to give two points that uh, doesn't seem too overwhelming and uh i, I think we're gonna see maybe a, a very aggravated aaron Rodgers by uh as we said, uh, something yeah, early you know, in the second half. I actually kind of think, yeah, obviously, I'm going to take the Jets just to take the points because as your dying uh, grandmother begged you to do, I will do that. But uh, I can totally see And, and it worked like in that Detroit game. It, yeah. it worked. It fucking worked. And we're, we're, <laughs> and we're all the richer. I can totally yes. see this being a 35 to 10 game Buffalo. As you said, the shots of Aaron Rodgers on the sideline shaking his head like helmet off hat on pissed off sweaty beard that's like being <laughs> people throwing things it won't take yeah. long for the new york fans to start throwing things these big fat guys with the al tune jerseys on uh, and you know the tune is stretched to it's like it says two on and you're thinking how much weight did you gain since al tune retired and, and why don't you like you know at least get like a wayne Krebet jersey there was a lot of animosity and acrimony, although uh, I was a Jet fan as a young man because uh, I worked at Chase Stadium selling souvenirs for uh, about five years, uh, right right in the heyday of the Joe Namath era. Mm. And, and that was another uh, suspect thing that came up, uh, not not to uh, you know transgress uh, too far away from what we were talking about, but uh, sure. well, we may never come back to it. But <laughs> did you watch ESPN Game Day, Henry? Because uh, this was the big debate with me, and I have several wagers out there, and I, I don't know that there's any way to substantiate Who's Let's right or wrong on this yeah. debate? I watched game day. You watched game day? Sure. Did you see Joe Willie up there? My idol, my hero. I did, yes. Is he wearing a hairpiece? <laughs> the very popular game here in South Florida. In, in Boca Raton, when I'm in a mm. gathering you know, with a bunch of people, uh, we're usually playing, especially guys, you're in a sports bar, a uh, game called, and, and in airports, very popular game, peace or no peace, where you're trying to guess you know, if, if the guy's wearing no a hairpiece and you see if you can get some kind of unanimous agreement on it. And, a lot of them are obvious, right? The things on fucking sideways. I mean, right, uh, you right. know, and you're thinking, you actually looked in the mirror this morning and, and thought that looked good. You know, how could that? How could that possibly be? I mean, what kind of uh, delusional, uh, you know, uh, thought uh, process are you operating under? Um, you know, and, and not to you know make light of it. Uh, you know, I know this is no filter, and we don't have to justify anything. But uh, look, sure. I mean, you want to wear a piece of fine. I don't have a problem with it. But Joe Willie. That, that thing was hanging out in the back. We always had this debate about Bill Self, the Kansas basketball coach. 
Yeah. And then we saw him, uh, Luby and I saw him uh, very much, uh, you know, in range where we should have been able to tell. And we thought, uh, we, we still, you know, thought it was a mystery. Because uh, it's usually close, it's the thing, it? in the, you know, the little part that's hanging out in the back, it doesn't quite fit right. Right. It's kind of like sticking out on the neck. Yeah. You know? And unless you're using the glue that, uh, that that guy did, that glued himself uh, to the floor at, at the U.S. Open. <laughs> Is that not the new Flex Seal ad, by the way? That's going to be the new Flex Seal ad, I would think for sure. They'll get rid of that Phil Swift cat and, uh, you know, just have that guy do it. Look, look, they couldn't even get me out of here. Uh, it took him an hour. <laughs> He's stuck. Wow, look at that. Four hours. How about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was sticking out in the back there. I mean, it was when, when they had the side view shot of Joe Willie, my hero, uh, and, and this is not ma- meant to uh, impugn the integrity of, of, of what a, a great, great uh, athlete and, and uh, you know, a, a guy who literally was somewhat responsible for what the NFL is today. You would have to say when people debate his Hall of Fame status, you know, that I think is not disputable. But what is, is she's wearing a hairpiece. And if you have to debate it like we did with Bill Self, even after getting a very up close and personal view of the back of his head. Mm-hmm. As he was standing at a bar at the Final Four, uh, you know, uh, one of the gatherings there went with media and everybody, and uh, you know, so yeah, we got a pretty good, uh, pretty good, uh, you know, spot of this thing, and uh, couldn't tell. So, so does that not add to the fact that it probably is a piece if you can't tell? You know, how important is this, though? I mean, it, it is, is anybody is else concerned about this besides no. me? <laughs> it, is, it is important. I mean, you talked about you wake up in the morning, you look yourself in the mirror, and you go. Shit, I need a piece. That's why I'm wearing a hat right now. It's because I'm rocking bedheads so bad that it makes even people with hair pieces look like they're ready for prom. I'm. Oh, well, you got the I, Don King uh, look in the morning. It, it's gnarly. I'm. I'm. I'm not sensitive to the hair piece topic. I'm. I'm just fearful for my own sake because karma's a bitch. I have. Oh, yeah. I have naturally thinning hair, and so I just I can't engage in this discussion because i know the second i open my mouth i'll be bald next year oh, okay. and so uh, a hairpiece could be a christmas wish or a reasonable purchase i would make so i'm just gonna laugh at anything to you be say, respected but i can't i can't chime in because this could be me soon they're, they're doing a much better job with this kind of stuff though <laughs> i mean uh, it used to look so obvious if you had like some kind of a method of hair replacement it was a disaster it, it, your head looked like a topographical map but uh, much better job. Nick Saban, I think, had a little work done in that regard yes, there. Yes. He had a much fuller head of hair. My uh, friend, okay. the jockey, Jerry Bailey, wow. Went from uh, like uh, completely bald. He looked like Phil Silvers. And then uh, next thing you know, he's got a good head of hair. So they're doing a much better job. It's far less detectable. Um, but but I, that's why I thought Joe Willie, I mean, I, how could he, a man of his stature, be reduced to, uh, you know, thinking that that looked good? Mm-hmm. I, I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, it was very, very strange. So uh, that, that's still uh, very much up for debate. College football, uh, Nick got beat. That was great. I don't know that's if you're an Alabama great. fan. Oh, Texas, uh, Quinn Ewers uh, distinguished himself pretty well in that game. Uh, definitely a Heisman Trophy candidate. Your man, Caleb Williams, uh, again, they put up 66 on the uh, uh, Montana Tech uh, team that they played. Uh, I don't know exactly <laughs> who that was on the USC <laughs> schedule. It certainly wasn't Notre Dame. They played Stanford, but yes. <laughs> My God, that was some serious ugliness. Uh, our, our University of Miami, that, that was a big win. Uh, you know, a lot of question marks about Mario Cristobal as a head coach. Is he really the guy to do the job? 
Right. Was he worth the kind of money it took to lure him away from Oregon? Uh, looked good and uh, spanked another guy who's come into question. You would think, how much of that oil money are these guys willing to eat with Jimbo Fisher? Do you uh, think that they'll uh, just take it on the chick? Because his buyout uh, would be enough to like buy Taiwan out of whatever jackpot they're in with China right now. I was going to say a small, a small, a small nation equivalent for sure. Like he yes, is yes, such uh, <laughs> a big burden. You keep him and you lose with him, and you get rid of him and you you lose without him. So you're fucked. Is there enough guilt there, though, among these Texas oil men to uh, just go ahead and eat it at Texas A&M? And uh, what would that uh, – it wasn't exactly a spanking they took, but uh, certainly didn't acquit themselves very well. Oh, they sucked. Traveling, I had a and uh, I took A&M because I thought, hell, everything's bigger in Texas. So why not? <laughs> why not? No, nope, they sucked. It uh, continues uh, just a magical Cinderella ride here for uh, sports in the South Florida area where right. uh, even the University of Miami looks like it's made a turnaround. Uh, uh, a final thing here on, on the U.S. Open. It was great. American woman. American mm-hmm. woman. Yeah, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Coco Goff uh, prevails over a beast of a player in uh, the uh, lovely arena, Sabalenka. So, uh, it, it is kind of weird that uh, they, they don't introduce the country, even though, I mean, I don't think these athletes uh, have anything to do with sparking the war in Ukraine, where, you know, they don't introduce uh, players from Russia. I, I think they also included Belarus in there, where uh, uh, Sabalenka is from. And, and they just introduced the guys from Parts Unknown. Isn't that a little <laughs> cold? Uh, you know, I mean, considering uh, yeah, Medvedev in the finals there, and uh, Medvedev is an odd cat, huh? Wasn't able. He gave Joker. I mean, in losing in straight sets, he gave Joker everything that this guy could possibly want to handle and more. Uh, and yet he looks like Ichabod Crane uh, as Daniil Medvedev. He's an accomplished <laughs> player. Uh, where is like like outfits? I don't know uh, if you're fighting unattached right now. If you have a girlfriend, uh, Henry, you seem to be a very uh, well dressed uh, individual. So you're you're not Thank inclined. You. To, you know, as you're leaving the house, you know, to have uh, your girl, your spouse, or whatever, say, you're wearing that? No, I but hear that... it. I hear it uh, even. Th- I appreciate the compliment because I just don't get that enough. So oh, okay. uh, we'll leave it at that because you are – I'm, I'm going to need you to say that every day to get my esteem back up because I can't go anywhere without hearing about my fucking outfits. So thank you You're wearing so that. Much. Yeah, I mean, that's Medvedev, though. He looks like a bag lady out there. He really does. I mean, obviously, he has huge clothing uh, deals and trade out with various sponsors. And and they're selling outfits when they're competing in, uh, you know, big tournaments like the U.S. Open or uh, any any tournament on the circuit, for that matter. Uh, you know, and uh, how many times uh, have I seen – uh, my wife who plays tennis and all of a sudden there's a package at the door and I'm going, what's that? It's like, uh, it's what Sabalenka was wearing yesterday. <laughs> like what? <laughs> well, what? I mean, this new thing where, where you, you don't even have to go to a store anymore. I mean, they used to have to, you know, schlep out to some sporting goods store and hope that they had it in your size if they had it at all. Now, boom, right online there, you know, two ninety nine fifty out the door. Boom. So, uh, you know, gone. out of your bank, boom on her, boom, gone. Just like that. Straight, straight up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a great job uh, by uh, Coco Goff uh, to win that championship. Uh, showed a lot of maturity, got blasted in the first set. And then Medvedev, uh, you know, tries to give uh, tries to give Joker a run for his money and does the best that he can. Deflated the people by beating uh, Carlos Alcaraz, who is the uh-huh. young uh, up and coming star. And everybody wanted to see a rematch of it. Um, but yeah, Medvedev, uh, just a strange cat in, in, in general. And yet a very talented player, real tough on the hard courts. Hard to imagine, though, that anybody, you know, you talk about the greatest of all time, and, and there's always a new greatest of all time in tennis, 
Mm-hmm. We thought it was, uh, you know, uh, Rod Laver, some people would say, going all the way back. Uh, I don't know. It would be hard to distinguish that when you look at the way the game is played today where you have a rally of 40 consecutive howitzers being fired back and forth. <laughs> and you're asking yourself, oh, I mean, a 10-shot rally for the average recreational player is enough to have the guy, like, impaled to the fence, saying, can we just hold up for here for a second while I catch? And here at 36, Djokovic was within a fifth-set tiebreaker at Wimbledon against uh, the up-and-coming Carlos Alcaraz of winning the Grand Slam at 36. This in an era where you had two 20-year-olds in the semifinals at the U.S. Open, and the old veteran, the old geezer, uh, the geezer at Caesars, was Medvedev, who uh, is only 27. Although I think he had a brother that played a while back, so people think he's been around for like, uh, you know, as long as uh, Hartman's been playing quarterback on the college level. <laughs> Where he like broke in with Sammy Bar. You're like, what? <laughs> How long is this kid going to be eligible for? I, I don't know. But uh, you have to tip your hat. I mean, uh, if that could be a uh, you know symbolic gesture uh, of significance uh, to Djokovic, who a lot of people didn't like, and yet, I mean, I don't know that you can distinguish yourself anymore as the greatest of all time to do what he did this year at 36 years old, and also in the process becoming uh, in, in what what is uh, kind of a suspect dead heat with Margaret Court at 24 for the uh, most Grand Slam wins ever. People uh, find Court's record is a little bit tainted because nobody played in the Australian Open mm-hmm. when she was winning like 20 of them. So <laughs> it, it's, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, uh, you know a- any bogus record that you would look at and say, yeah, yeah, but they played like 100 more games. Uh, you know, in this case, she she had, you know, a free run to about, I don't know, probably like a dozen of those Grand Slam events. So Djokovic, greatest of all time. I, I don't know that you can argue that at this stage, like him or not. Uh, tremendous uh, performance and maybe one of the best years uh, that any athlete has ever had at any age, much less at what would be ancient for mm-hmm. a tennis player. All right. Uh, so uh, our final opinion is what? You say Jets. I say Bills. I don't know about putting the house on this. Jets, Jets, Jets. And remember, people, as they said, an American gangster. Remember when Denzel was over there in like Vietnam and or Cambodia, wherever he was buying this drug uh, supply from. And uh, the uh, Asian guy says, uh, quitting while you're ahead is not the same as quitting. And I think if we were going to give gambling advice for today, you're ahead for the week. Barely, yes. <laughs> All right, well, then you might want to double up. I'll <laughs> <laughs> right, well, join you again tomorrow with our morning uh, briefing. Glad you had a, a good run there uh, over the weekend, Henry. It was uh, always great, uh, you know, seeing you here on the show. We'll do it again tomorrow. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, for Henry, I'm Jeff DeForest. We'll see you on the next edition of the Morning Briefing. 